This is Hawaii Rising, a podcast from the Hawaii People's Fund. I'm Suyuno Amos. I'm Kenji Cataldo. Today we're speaking with Leila Kealoha from Pohaku Pelemaka in Puna, Hawaii Island. Pohaku Pelemaka aims to protect and preserve cultural and natural resources along the Puna coast through culture-based education and community-based input to mitigate the impacts of visitor and resident traffic within the Vahipana. Part of a larger effort to strengthen and unify the voices of partnering Hawaiian organizations in Puna, Pohaku Pelemaka hosts convenings and coordinates Kokua and Kilauea recovery efforts. As community members in the fastest growing district in Hawaii, they work tirelessly to ensure that community voices are a part of that growth. Here's our interview with Layla from November. Okay, so today we are feeling excited to have a conversation with Layla talking about uh, the work of Pohaku Pelemaka. Maybe you could just start out by introducing yourself and giving us a little bit of the origin story of Pohaku Pelemaka. All right, sure. Aloha, everyone. Uh, my name is Leila Kealoha, born and raised here in Lower Puna, uh, and I'm currently the executive director of Pohaku Pelemaka. I was the president for about three and a half years before becoming the executive director, and sort of how we uh, got into this process with Pohaku Pelemaka um, was actually a, a different name of the organization. It was actually Kapona Red Road. And back in 2019, my auntie and I were approached by the people that started the nonprofit organization to see because they were ready to let absolve. And uh, we had been doing work with them uh, to help the organization over the years. So they asked if we want to take it over. And not knowing anything about nonprofits, it was kind of like, oh, I'm not sure. But so she decided to, to come on board with me, which is why we decided to take on the organization. Uh, so in 2019 is when we took over the nonprofit organization. And uh, a big part of our work was was working with the Poiki boat ramp because they had proposed the boat ramp to be down in a place called Ka'akepa, which is a sacred Vahipana to our families down in the Kawaleao, Opeikau area. And so we gathered the fishermen and the families to oppose the boat ramp being down there. And that was sort of like one of our main projects we could, we started to work on. At the same time, uh, with the Kumukahi and the burials and the desecration that was happening down at Kumukahi. And so that kind of encompassed our whole year of 2019. And... As we sort of progress and like learn how to manage a nonprofit or run a nonprofit, um, we realized like that wasn't really our name of who we were as a an organization. And our treasurer at the time, or our board of director, was pregnant, and she had this vision of names, and so we sort of rebirthed ourselves. And talking about different names into the name Pohaku Pelemaka. And what that name really means is it's like the when the fresh lava turns into um, solid rock. 
So it's like that transformation from liquid magma into rock. And for us being those pohaku or the foundations of really laying the foundation for the generations to come. So that's where our name comes from. Thanks for sharing that origin story and beautiful name. Um, can you tell us a little bit now about some of the main projects that you have as an organization? Sure. So, so we work a lot um, in the area of Ka'akepa, and it's located south of Mackenzie State Park. And it's a, it's a property that's owned. Um, there's a couple different parcels of property, but it's, it's right on the ocean, and it's in the conservation district. It's owned by DLNR, Land Division. And uh, part of our uh, work there began because of the, the proposed boat ramp down there. And then as well as back in 2020, there was a, a group of people that had cut a bunch of coconut trees down there. And uh, so we met with the kupuna that we could gather, you know, and, and, and ask, like, what should we do? And so we decided to start holding um, space once a month down there with the families and trying to bring the families back to the area. And so we've been doing that for about three years now. And it's called uh, our Nalao Ka'akepa, La'ohana, um, monthly La'ohana days. So once a month we gather with the families and try to get engage more of the families back into the space of trying to help educate people about the significance of the place and like just aloha aina, like cleaning up. We, we cleaned up all the trees that they had cut and just kind of keep the area maintained. Basically it's a really big space down there, but we just mainly spend time on the, on the beach side because it's a beautiful coconut grove down there and uh, trying to educate people that are coming into the place about why it's so special uh, so that's one thing that we've been working on the past couple of years and uh, we're moving more into the stewardship aspect of the area. We have a right of entry with the state, Dylan R. And our goal is to create a stewardship plan for management plan for the whole area down there. And we hosted interns from the UH Pipes program this summer. And we also have a TCBS intern from UH Hilo as well, helping us to do biological surveys in the space. And it's like an ongoing project right now. Uh, and a lot of the work that we're doing is um, killer recovery efforts related. So working on the boat ramp still, working on the Pohoiki Park infrastructure and creating a community-based stewardship program for Pohoiki because that's where the boat ramp is, that's where the park is. And we, we're still waiting to get our roads and our infrastructure back into place in, in Lower Puna. And I sit on the, the killer recovery, cultural resilience capacity area. And that's some of our main focuses, those projects down in Pohoiki and community-based stewardship. And right now we're just finishing up the program manual as well as, um, looking for funding to to basically do the training for the, the stewards and then implementing the actual stewardship program down there. And it's going to serve as a basis for other areas such as Kakepa that we work in and our other Ohana that are stewarding places along our um, lower Puna coastline. Uh, so that's just like a tidbit of the things that we're working on. And could you share a little bit more just um, 
for listeners who, and also for myself, who might be less familiar with the details of what a stewardship management plan actually is, you know, and what that entails? So for Kaa Kepa and like the stewardship management plan, it's really looking at the resources that are found, the natural and cultural resources that are found there to help guide management objectives or practices that are going to be occurring in the space. And uh, part of, so the, one of the significant things about Kaa Kepa is that it does have a lot of archaeology within the space. The Alalore, the King's Trail runs through there. There's... Um, different sites that are found there. So we've applied for funding to do an archaeological inventory survey and cultural resource management plan. And what that does basically, and putting that into a management plan is basically um, going to help guide our management of, you know, practices within the space. And of course, working with our kupuna to listen to the mo'olalo that is, you know, relevant to the area in the space and to help guide like our practices within the space down there. Um, and community-based stewardship is like actually having the community that are from the area. I mean, this is my interpretation of it. Others may have different interpretations. But community-based stewardship to us really means having the lineal and cultural descendants of an area being the ones engaged in educating residents and visitors to a place. And following the Mo'olalo are the stories of the place to help guide how we educate and what's special and significant about those places, as well as um, how do we properly behave in these places? Because people, when they visit or come to areas, sometimes don't know how special a place is maybe sometimes, or like what the significance of a place is. So it's really about education and having those that are the most familiar with the places be the ones to help educate those that are visiting the place. So that's my interpretation of it. Thanks for sharing that. I feel like that really helps to clarify um, the, you know, work you're doing and the focus of it and also maybe um, some potential difficulties. And I was wondering if you would want to share a little bit more about, you know, the challenges you face in this effort. For sure. Uh, so some of the challenges, of course, are how do we interact with people in a Pono way, in the in the in the right way that's not going that's going to engage them into a conversation of really listening and not being uh, defensive or um, not wanting to listen. So some of the challenges really are like how do we interact with people? How do we interact with space? And the reason why we behave specifically in, in these places. Um, because, you know, during actually my, my, my lifetime really in Pune, we've been like the fastest growing district in the state. And we receive like a lot of people that come in and interact in our spaces. And so they're not very educated about why this place is so special. And so really just how do we interact with people in a, in a kind way is challenging, especially because families of the area uh, have just seen a lot of not Pono things happen. Right. And so that's one challenge for sure is how do we interact positively with people that are coming into the spaces and then 
I guess finding the buy-in from the community of like why this is important and funding of course is a huge thing right like so how do we pay for this to happen of course this is something that's important to our our families and our community but actually finding the sustainable funding to be able to pay for to hire and to pay for these stewards to come into these spaces and educate yeah thanks for sharing those and then i guess on the the flip side i'm curious if you what what you feel like are some of the wins you've had or some of the positive impacts you've seen over the course of, of the work you've been doing? Some of the wins, well, we just received funding last year to help write this community-based stewardship program manual and um, really the networking. Uh, so throughout this process, we've worked with Namakahaloa Waipio, which is a um, family member of ours that that has um, their nonprofit down in the space of Pohoiki and really working with the or that organization to really define like what is community-based stewardship and um, how do we implement implement that into our space and our spaces and having this model or a template for others of, that are that are working areas such as um, you know Kaakepa such as we are or down at Kumukahi or down in Kaimu or, you know, other areas along our coast and that families are currently stewarding. Uh, and one really cool thing that happened this summer with our UH Pipes interns, we had one at Pohoiki with Namakahaloa, we had one at Kakepa with us, um, with us, and then we had another intern we worked with down in Kaimu at Uncle Roberts. And the three students, they're, then they're from Pune, which was so awesome to have, like, lineal descendants of the Pune area working in Pune spaces on helping us to define what is like, what does community-based worship look like in our places and like kind of, you know, defining like different aspects of like, how do we interact with people? Like what kind of resources do we need to be able to educate people and, you know, um, really sparking the interest in this generation that's up and coming, that's this younger generation that we're going to look forward to passing the torch on to one day and then being fully engaged and bought into the this understanding and wanting to be the stewards in these spaces. Uh, so that I feel like is a huge win for us, like really, because sometimes, you know, our younger generation is not keen into wanting to be a part of this whole process of things that are occurring uh, well, that's, I, th- I feel like a huge win for us. And uh, just the the networking, the networking aspects and like really engaging with other nonprofit organizations along our coastline and um, the people in the county. So the relationship with county parks and recreation, like really working with us to to start this stewardship program at Powiki. And like supporting the whole effort and the that track of like implementing it down at Powiki. So like the ears from the county, like listening and really working with us. And yeah, so that's a, that's a huge win, I feel like, for sure. Yeah, I feel like 
it's often, um, you know, when we talk to different organizations or grassroots groups, like often the challenge is, yeah, finding the next generation or interacting with the county and not getting that feeling of support. So to hear you say, you know, that that is, uh, that you feel supported from the county at this time and that, you know, there is like these seeds of the next generation being involved, like definitely are huge wins, <laughs> I would say. Um, yeah, it's really definitely. hopeful. Oh, go ahead. Oh, no, I'm just saying it is for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I guess maybe along those lines, um, you know, thinking about that future generation and wondering like, yeah, what is sort of the long-term future vision of what you hope this kind of community plan becomes? Future long-term, well, I feel like, you know, I, I don't know what that looks like, but just um, I think part of like us spending our monthly laohana down at Kaakepa and our aspiration is like that once a month, if we can get one kupuna to be there with us every month, like that's a huge win for us. And having like this continuity of sharing intergenerational knowledge from kupuna to keiki. Like, you know, I have two young children, one's five and one's 10. And like being able to just spend time in the space and like learning the different practices and like ensuring that these practices that have been you know handed down from generations are being continued on and shared with um i can only hope that our children one day are going to you know step up to the plate as well too and continue this practice of of what we do you know in our spaces whether it be fishing or gathering or learning everything about the coconut my kids know how to husk coconuts and <laughs> You know, uh, open them up, drink the water, make the, you know, uh, the coconut milk from the, the meat and weaving and all the different aspects of what coconut has to um, to offer us and and share with us. But I feel like only time can tell of how we, you know, uh, foresee this being able to be carried on to the generations and just, you know, seeking that support and like listening to our kapuna of like what is important and just being the ones to ensure that what is important and we're you were using that as a model to help with our stewardship practices within the places so our kapuna are the number one for sure uh, of how we ensure that's carried on and then of course ourselves who are like those transceivers and transmitters of knowledge that get to the next generation below us are cakey, right? And like repetition, like being in the place, like my children know once we go down there, they don't get to just go in the water. Like we clean first, right? <laughs> it's not all about play. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I feel like that's um, only time can tell. Yeah, it's really beautiful to hear about that. Uh transmission of knowledge and stories at, at these laohana. Um, I'm wondering if there are any mo'olelo that you might like to share today about the place that you, uh, if there are any you'd like to um, help our listeners get a better sense of um, why it is so special. Hmm. I can share a personal mo'olelo. Like, you know, I mean, Pune is a place where 
we're very new, I feel like, still to change within the colonized way of life here in Hawaii. And being that my family is from that area, my grandmother's family, she was a Makuakane, and her mother was a Makua. Like, their family was there for for generations. My grandfather was from Kaimu. He was born in Kaimu and was raised in that area down there, but... Uh, the area of Kaakepa specifically in Opikau and the church there at Opikau, like right next door was my grandparents' house. And, you know, they, cars were very seldom and few back in those days in the, you know, the thirties, forties, fifties, um, very remote. And even when I was a child growing up, um, it was still very remote. <laughs> uh, but so they would walk. Right. They would walk everywhere and she would go down to Kaakepa because it was a place of a spiritual place uh, for her to be able to sit and take her children and just be able to be in the space. There's beautiful taipos there. There's places to gather limu and opihi and um, the fish if you wanted to, but the coconut, the coconut is like something really significant to us as a people. Um, you never went hungry, right? Because you were able to feed yourself off of the land and the ocean, as long as you took care of your resources, right? Like your resources would take care of you. And so it was a place that my grandmother used to frequent quite often when she was around, you know, and had her children, my father and his siblings and um, the, the, all the families down there that lived in the area. The Kuomo'os, the, you know, the Kamaos, the Kuhibinui's and the Kononui's and many family members that lived in the Ilias. You know, they all did the same thing in that area. And that was just a way of life. Right. And I don't want to use the word tainted, but in a sense, it's like it really did get tainted because of this introduction of new mindsets that came into the space. Right. And like really changed the the physical landscape, the spiritual landscape of interacting with these spaces. And so and I've definitely seen that change over my, my lifetime. Uh, and that's why I feel it's so important to ensure that we protect and preserve these resources that we have. And especially after the, this eruption, because the eruption is basically, I don't like to use the word covered, but it sort of preserved these other Vahipana that were covered by lava. And now there's not many other places left along our coastline to, to frequent and to be in. And so I feel like it's my kuleana, my responsibility to make sure that these places are kept for my children's, you know, my unborn grandchildren and great-grandchildren and the generations to come. Um, yeah, it's really near and dear to my heart. So I'm not, maybe that wasn't like a mo'olelo, but like it's my own mo'olelo. <laughs> yeah. It's really special to our families. And I think others need to understand that this is, that we are the host here. 
and they are the guests if they're not from the space to be respectful of the people in the space and simple and easy is that right yeah mahalo yeah no mahalo for sharing your personal mahalo that's always it's always the good stuff right yeah i'm wondering i guess um I don't know if you have any other questions to ask, Kenji. I was just going to ask next how um, any of our listeners who want to learn more or get involved or help, how they might be able to connect. So as a small grassroots organization, we're really working towards capacity uh, and, you know, trying to build our capacity is um, as an organization, we're working with someone that's, you know, pretty much pro bono right now to help us with a website and the only way that we have like outreach out there to people is our, through our Facebook page. And I've been told we have an Instagram, like my, <laughs> I'm not a full on like Instagram user. Uh, but we do have Pohaku Pelimaka Facebook page. And um, our goal is to really get our website up and running over this next year so that we can share the different programs and these different work that we're doing and really reach more of our community out here. Um, or, you know, just emailing me. I try to keep up with emails. I'm overwhelmed with that. But poacopelemaka at gmail.com is right now is like um, the main source of communication for us or on Facebook, like I said. I mean, I'm, and I I don't really manage that, but and I'm not a real social media person. But, yeah, we're working on that. You know, when you don't have reception out there in the field down along the coastline, you're not too, and that's the beauty of it, right? Is like when you're in those spaces of like no reception or the devices are all put away that you can actually physically just be and just be in the space, right? Um, but yeah, we're working on being able to reach more people in our community through the website, social media. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I did have um, another question. I was thinking about, uh, you know, earlier you were sharing how there's really been this process of, you know, learning how nonprofits work. What is that structure? How to manage it? Um, and I guess I'm just wondering if you have any reflections from the past few years of, of doing this work um, that you might like to share. You know, I think that's uh, something that you know, community, people working community all across Hawaii are working on, struggling with, you know, learning from of, of that process of how to uh, take this structure, just kind of a weird thing, but really figuring out how to make it work for community. And I'm just curious to hear if you have any reflections about that. Yeah, it's definitely been a challenge, like learning all the different compliance issues I won't say issue, but regulations, compliance regulations, and ensuring you have your conflict of interest and you have, like, you really understand your bylaws of your organization. And really the intention of nonprofit is to meet the mission and vision of your nonprofit, right? So, like, that's what your end goal is, is, like, whatever path you're on, that you're trying to meet your mission and vision. But... You know, I've, I've asked this through other uh, meetings that I've had. Uh, we were part of the Puna Strong grantees um, this past year, and they did give us a lot of support with, like, 
learning these different compliance regulations and like, you know, how to seek funding and how to build capacity within our organization. But these cheat sheets basically of like, okay, you know, in January, you're, you're got to do this or in March you have to do that and so forth. And like having those, like those things spelled out to make sure that you're, that you're meeting those compliance, you know, cause it's really a big thing. Uh, if you, and, the, and with the IRS and with DCCA and like, what does all that even mean? I mean, <laughs> right. Um, and if you're applying for grants, that's another thing as well. You need to be able to be compliant with all those different um, organi- organizations, but those agencies, I guess. Uh, and really understanding your mission and your vision of your organization. That's, that's sort of key, right? Because that really drives the work you do. And don't be afraid to ask. Like, don't be afraid to ask others for support or for help. Because they may be, like, others may be wondering the same thing as you sometimes, right? Like, they're struggling with the same issue that you're having. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's just definitely not an easy thing to navigate, for sure. And, uh if I can ever be of support, like I'll try my best, but, <laughs> uh, and a good board, having a good board of directors, right? So if you're, you know, if you can find people that really can help support the movement of the organization, um, that's really key to success, right? Um, and understanding that, that, you know, that they are the decision makers for the organization, Thank you for sharing those reflections, Layla. And I guess I'm just wondering now if there's uh, anything else that we haven't touched on yet that you'd like to share. So I want to thank Hawaii People's Fund for the support that's been given to us. Uh, we did receive a grant through you folks this year to really support um, our ohana here in Pune through our Hawaiian-operated nonprofit organizations. And we're working with a, a coalition of us I won't mention the name right at the moment because we're really defining what, how we operate as a coalition um, and really uplifting and strengthening the voices of our community and our, and our specifically our Hawaiian community in Lower Puna. Um, because as I mentioned before, you know, our families are the hosts of this area and we are the ones that are from this specific area that should be making the decisions of what happened within our spaces and so I, I feel like um, the support that we've received from you folks is really going to help us define what that is for, for us working together and how we move forward, uh, because it's always better to have a unified voice than like this sort of broken pieces put together, I guess. Uh, so we just really appreciate the support from you folks and really all of our grassroots organizations are working around this whole pie. I know. Mahalo for taking the time to chat with us a little bit today and share a little bit of the story of Pohaku Pelemaka. Um, it was really, really lovely to hear about that work and exciting to hear about, yeah, that transmission to from, from gen- one generation to the next. So Mahalo for sharing. Mahalo. And just before I go, I'd like to thank my board, for really supporting us and all the work that we do as well too. Awesome. Thank you so much. Hawaii Rising is a podcast from the Hawaii People's Fund produced by me and me with additional support from Mickey. Our theme music is revolutionary 
from the band Uklivamak, written and sung by Mickey Hui Hui. A big thank you to our community supporters and to you, our audience, for listening. Ahui ho! Dreading enemy for fight against with Bridget.